This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Faroz and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Kate Andrews. Well, yesterday the spring budget was announced by Jeremy Hunt and today everyone's been mulling over some of the details. Kate, have any of the reactions from today surprised you? No, they haven't. Um, I think the big things picked up sort of in the in the hours after the budget going into today have been the childcare announcements. People have clocked just how major they are. This is serious state intervention into the childcare market. And I use the term market loosely because whether or not it was a proper market before is, is very debatable. There's frustration from parents who aren't going to see the benefits of this, even though they have toddlers now. The chancellor has been keen to emphasize, look, you know, it's an expensive policy and, and we are going to bring it in not too quickly. You know, we have to manage this. Um, but, you know, 30 free hours of, of child care is, is really quite substantial for the group that they've offered it to. But the other thing that's, I think, been picked up is how many people are, are going to be paying additional tax. So roughly 3 million people are being dragged into paying tax altogether. An additional 2 million people on top of that are being pulled into a higher tax rate. This isn't new news, but I think it, it, it feels quite shocking and frustrating as it becomes even clearer that the state is getting bigger, that we're doing more freebies, more handouts, more giveaways. It's really difficult to see when these tax cuts are coming. We know that it is the government's priority to bring them, as you know, Katie Balls in her excellent political column for the magazine this week is talking about, you know, sort of difficult decisions now, tax cuts later. But I think people can kind of tell that whatever those tax cuts are in the future they're not going to be terribly substantial. We are now offering so much and the state is so big that if you're going to responsibly sustain that, we are moving towards a high tax economy. And our colleague James Heal was at the uh, Institute for Fiscal Studies briefing this morning and that was some of the language that was used that, you know, it's really hard to say now that the UK is closer to the United States, for example, when it comes to its attitude on tax. It is much closer to um, sort of average European countries and it's a high tax burden indeed. Katie, given the reaction, broadly speaking, compared to other budgets has been relatively muted, what has the opposition been gripping on? So where Labour are opposing parts of the budget is focused on the pensions, lifetimes allowance. And we saw Labour coming out against that, saying, you know, this is actually you know, quite a lot of money and it's helping the very richest, those who'd have over a million in their pension fund to begin with. But I don't think it's been that easy for Labour as an attack because they've already had to clarify that they would have an exemption for doctors, for example. Um, because one of the arguments the government uses in favour of ultimately abolishing the limit is that um, when it comes to actually some very highly paid public sector workers, um, so particularly um, you're looking at NHS consultants, they are disproportionately high in that group of the people who would be affected by this. And therefore, it's a move that could help with NHS staffing. Not so much, I think, because people might come back into the workforce so it's possible, but when it comes, when this is in effect and people are considering early retirement because there's not the financial incentive there, that's now gone, so they might just stay on longer. And therefore, West Streeting, for example, the Shadow Health Secretary, has previously said that he thought the lifetime allowance was 
bad for this reason. So it means it's muddied the water a bit. And Labour are now saying, well, we disagree with this, but we'd keep an exemption for doctors. Now, it's quite complicated to start saying which professions you will and won't. And it also just means it's not a completely clear attack line. You know, which are the evil professions um, which are not allowed to have this much money in their pensions and aren't contributing to the to the economy in a, in a good enough way? So, so I think we've seen that from Labour. I think generally the reaction to the budget has been pretty muted there's some positivity there's some negativity I think it's quite telling that when Jeremy Hunt addressed Tory MPs last night it was pretty empty and it was a one-line whip I think most MPs took the opportunity to do something else with their time maybe they went to the golf course and (laughs) but uh, it was a mix of questions so the thing that was the most supportive would be I think the individual allocation of some you know funds towards projects lots of uh, you know MPs who benefit saying we really appreciate this but others were I think that there was some complaints saying the childcare policy is good, but it's taking a lot of time to come into effect. And then also, obviously, some questions about tax. But again, remember, but in the politics column this week, I had someone say to me, you know, no one is going to be wowed by this budget. And our timings are quite tricky for the budget for the magazine. So you're like, oh, is it? And I, and I think that is actually a pretty fair assessment in the sense it's a fairly steady budget. It's got things that people can be happy about, things that people can be annoyed about. It doesn't feel to me as though it is massively unravelling, but it's also the situation whereby I don't think it's going to give the government a big boost. But I think that's partly because there's a calculation within Downing Street that right now the electorate is pretty turned off to what to politics generally and particularly anything the Tory government is saying um so this is a you know a holding pattern and the expectation certainly amongst Tory MPs and ministers is that uh, Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt will have to have more positive news and more giveaways um when it comes to the the fiscal events ahead of the next election well, um, Kate, on the international side of economics, things have been a lot more dramatic since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Credit Suisse has also got into trouble. Could you just explain to listeners what's been happening? Yeah, so towards the start of the week, the Swiss bank Credit Suisse uh, saw its shares drop quite significantly, uh, hitting record lows. But overnight, they've been thrown a lifeline. Uh, the Swiss bank has been offered by Switzerland's central bank a loan of up to 45 billion pounds to help stabilize its finances. And markets have responded quite well to this. The footsies rallied. Those jitters seem to be dying down. Does this suggest that everything's okay? Certainly not. As we look at in this week's cover piece, um, the banking sector as a whole is under the spotlight because of what's happened in America with the Silicon Valley Bank and and regional banks and, and the collapses we've seen there. As interest rates go back to relatively normal levels, we are discovering a lot of problems within the system. Pensions funds, banks that thought that rates were going to remain ultra low. Credit Suisse is an interesting one because it has been under the spotlight for a long time now. People criticizing the way that that bank has been managed. So it's not terribly surprised that was the next to, you know, draw a lot of negative attention. Things seem to have stabilized because of this intervention overnight. But it certainly doesn't mean that the banking sector, I'd say, as a whole is out of the woods yet. And Katie, back in the UK, there looks like there's been a breakthrough between ministers and NHS unions. Could the strikes be ending? So this is encouraging news for the government because one of the criticisms too in the budget yesterday was actually there was not much space in terms of future public spending for departments and what would that mean for public sector pay. The news today is that NHS unions have struck a deal with the government um, that will now 
be put through to, to the union members to, to see if they accept. But what would mean is a one-off bonus for nurses and ambulance workers. Um, so it, it effectively work as well, the understanding is uh, 6% over a one-off bonus for NHS staff and then a permanent 5% rise for most staff from next month. Now, I think if you always thought where the landing zone might be, I think it was quite clear the one-off payment would be what they tried to do to the sweetener in the last year and then move higher pay to the next financial year, which is all this is doing. It's obviously taken a while to get here. And what does it also mean for other disputes? I think in Downing Street, there was always a sense that the area where they were the most willing to compromise or go further was when it came to NHS staff. I think for a few reasons. A, public support. If you look at all the polls, it's actually quite divided between the different professions but it's always um, you know I think the government often loses pretty consistently when it comes to support for NHS workers two you can't have an NHS system which is under strain and short of staff and that's a big problem and then also have uh, you know ongoing strikes with the staff you do have complaining not paid enough money and not have the two be linked in voters minds and um, so I think that was very important and therefore if you get to a situation now where this is accepted I think that just is important for the government because even if people start to blame various professions and I think with the NHS voters more inside the NHS but at the end of the day the government is always going to be blamed for dysfunction and people not being able to access services um so we'll have to see how far it goes but I think this is um perhaps better news for the government than anything from the budget yesterday. I agree with Katie that this actually is potentially a quiet but very important win for the government if they can come to some resolution. Um, But I I think in addition to that, that the reason they'll see it as such a win is because the hard line that has been struck inside the Treasury is that they cannot give something that comes anywhere and close to an inflation-linked pay raise as the headline number exists now. We're still in double digits. But in the Treasury, they're very concerned about the idea of a wage spiral. In fact, the central bank is very concerned about the idea of a wage spiral. Andrew Bailey has really walked the line in what he can and cannot say politically, but he's been very clear that he is nervous about public sector pay increases. So 5% is something like a compromise because it comes closer to matching the average pay raise in the private sector at the moment, but it doesn't go near that double-digit figure, and that's what they're really trying to avoid. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kate. And thanks for listening.